Welcome to another edition from Perspectives from Rothschild & Co. My name is Laura Kuhnlin, and for today's edition, I'm joined by Sarah McDonald, Private Markets, Sales and Distribution Director at Rothschild & Co. Wealth Management. Hey, Sarah, lovely to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much, Laura. Happy to be here. In today's conversation, we're going to talk about private markets. Before we do a deep dive into this asset class, though, perhaps we could briefly discuss how you got into it, Sarah. I know you're Canadian by birth, but currently you live and work in Geneva. That's quite a distance. So walk us a bit through your CV. Uh, sure, Laura. Um, well, listen, my, my husband is Swiss and we decided to settle here um, in the countryside near Geneva. But yes, my journey started in Canada. My father's Canadian and my mother is Iranian. So I grew up traveling around a lot um, and moving between cultures and meeting new people. Um, I then studied finance at McGill University. And after that, um, a lot of my friends went straight to New York to work in investment banking. And I decided that I wanted to take my time and continue studying. So I went to the University of Lausanne to do a master's in finance at their HSA program. And then from Switzerland, I moved to London as I was very lucky to get involved in the hedge fund industry. And this was at a time of tremendous growth. Um, I worked for a well-known asset manager that had a sizable hedge fund operation, and I worked both on the investor relations team and on the sales team. So always close to clients. I mean, that's really what I really enjoy. Uh, and this was an incredible time uh, for the hedge fund business, really. The firm was growing so quickly, and the business was very fast-paced in London. In all, I spent close to 10 years in London, and then I decided to move back to Switzerland. And since, I have worked for a few private banks in Geneva, and now I'm with Rothschild & Co. So my work has always been on the investor relations or business development side. Well, in the end, Switzerland and Canada are not that different, are they? I mean, they share one official language. And fun fact, apparently, Canada is home to the fifth largest community of Swiss nationals abroad in the world. Ah. That's funny. I, I did not know that. So uh, yeah, thanks for that. I had no idea. I was just recently in Canada on holiday and uh, and spent time in nature, which is so beautiful there. So I guess if you ask about a similarity, that's maybe more what I would say. Um, it's it's similar to Switzerland in the natural beauty of this the landscape. It's just it's it's pretty amazing. I have to visit. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Well, shifting the focus to your role here at Rothschild & Co., what precisely is it that you do? Yes. So as I mentioned, I, I've worked for a few private banks after my London career in hedge funds. And I must say Rothschild & Co. is a very special place. It's a traditional private bank, so that we're certain of, um, in the sense of its very long history and they take family wealth preservation extremely seriously. But the business has this dynamic spirit, um, and this is really due to the fact that they have a global advisory and a merchant banking business as well. And that's that's quite special. So the global advisory business is really the investment banking arm, and our colleagues there are the lead advisors to corporates around the world. Um, so you can just imagine the depth of that ecosystem of entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders globally that this represents. Um, and then on the other side, you've got merchant banking, um, and this is our private markets arm. So where we manage private equity and private debt investments, 
And so this is essentially direct investments into privately owned companies. So having access to these incredible investment teams is very unique for a private bank. Uh, I mean, very few have this type of structure. And this really elevates the experience for the client and ultimately their satisfaction. So in terms of what I do, um, my role, I work in Geneva in the wealth management business. And my job is to bring our private markets offering to our clients. So as I mentioned before, we have a really compelling offering in private equity and private debt. And clients are always interested to, to hear more. So private markets seems to be quite a buzzword in the media of late. For our listeners who are not so familiar with this asset class, what is it about and how are private markets different to public markets? Sure, of course. Um, so private markets is, is really all investments um, into private assets. So these private assets can be privately owned businesses, real estate assets, infrastructure projects. Uh, investors can invest in these assets by taking an equity or a debt position. So private markets, uh, it's otherwise known as illiquid markets, is considered an alternative asset class as opposed to public or listed stock markets and bond markets, which we all know very well. So investors are more familiar with public markets and are very comfortable trading those stocks and bonds. But the opportunity set in private markets is equally interesting. For instance, if you take the U.S. market and you size all the privately owned firms operating that have over 20 million in sales, you'll have a universe of over 250,000 companies. In contrast, the total amount of US companies that are listed on the stock exchange is around 4,300. That's an enormous figure that actually illustrates well that only sticking to publicly traded assets is indeed very limiting. And I guess the same holds true in the bond market or in real estate? It absolutely does, Laura. The opportunity set in private assets is indeed very deep. Um, what is different, clearly, is that private firms are more difficult to access and the information is less transparent for investors. So that's why today the bulk of investments in private markets go through specialist managers, uh, such as our colleagues in merchant banking. So these specialists have the network to access the best private firms, take an equity or debt stake. They actively participate in the development of the firm. So this can go from taking a board seat, working closely with management, really shaping the outcome of their investment over years and creating value. So we've seen that over the past few decades that those investors who were able to invest in the universe of private assets were very well rewarded as private markets have consistently outperformed public markets. Um, and just coming back to what we do at, at Rothschild & Co., we have a very longstanding history of investing in private assets. And today we manage in our merchant banking business over $24 billion in both private equity and in private debt. And what client needs does your role address and how have their needs changed over the past years then? Um, well, I would say that clients today are, are very well informed and they understand that in order to achieve their goals, they need to look holistically at their portfolio. And a holistic portfolio includes investing in private assets. 
So it's imperative to minimize risk while maximizing returns. And clients understand to do this, they need to be clever about portfolio allocation. So really, this is where the conversation starts on private markets. As given the illiquidity of the asset class, investors have to size that allocation wisely. On that allocation, what should an ideal allocation look like? Oh, well, th this can vary significantly and means very different things to different types of clients. Um, to give you an idea, you know, U.S. pension funds who are notorious for their large private market allocations, um, some almost up to 40 percent of their portfolios, they've been very successful in terms of perf uh, performance given this this allocation. In Switzerland, we're we're more conservative, and the regulation limits these investments to just over 10 percent. Though these limits um, are being reconsidered and, and are sure to shift in the coming years. For private clients uh, with a longer time horizon, any allocation between 10 to 20 percent of their portfolio is what we tend to recommend. Again, this could be higher for some. Um, then how to express this allocation is the next conversation. And that's the really fun part. Um, should this allocation be uh, via private equity, private debt, Should we introduce private real estate, combination of the three? Is there a particular interest in a sector, tech, healthcare? I mean, it's these sorts of questions that um, we, we work through with the clients. Investors obviously had very little reason to love 2022. It was a year that brought market upheavals, geopolitical instability, and economic conditions that you could have foreseen. As for 2023, particularly in relation to the private market sphere, what developments can you observe? Well, similar to public markets, the impact of rising rates on private companies will continue to be difficult and will force them to adapt. That's certain. Um, deals will be done clearly with less leverage with the, the cost of financing being so difficult and might in case these deals might take longer in some cases. But really, at the end of the day, what will hold true is that solid companies, strong market share and brand will continue to be interesting investments. That's not going away. Uh, private equity managers who can bring real value to private firms through strategic and operational change, in addition to their financial support. Um, these players will continue to generate very interesting returns for investors. Well, to put it in the words of American polymath and founding father Benjamin Franklin, out of adversity comes opportunity, right? Correct. Absolutely. So Sarah, before we wrap up, there's one question that I pose to all guests on this podcast. Namely, if you could offer a single piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? Uh, gosh, okay. Well, what I would pass on is what my dad always says. And he always says, don't sweat the small stuff, um, which is a funny expression, but it's pretty golden advice in general, as we tend to get bogged down with micro details in life, and especially when we're younger and more sensitive. Um, so if we focus on the big picture and what's really important to us, ignore the negative distractions and push through temporary difficulties, um, we're sure to achieve our goals. Uh, and we were talking about finance, I guess, as a financial podcast. So I guess my 
my dad's advice, funnily, um, also applies to, to finance, as there's a lot to be gained by staying the course, head down, and not being reactive to short-term noise. Well, it's just another piece of evidence that parents are always right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's close on that. Many thanks, Sarah. Take care, Laura. Bye. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed in this episode, please go on www.rothschildandco.com forward slash insights. Thank you for listening. Please note, this audio content is produced by Rothschild & Co. for information purposes only, and any reliance on the information provided in it is done at your own risk. This content should only be used or reproduced with the express written permission of Rothschild & Co. The podcast is not provided as a solicitation, recommendation, or invitation to buy or sell any security, fund, or any other banking or investment product. Nothing in this podcast constitutes advice of any sort, and no responsibility is accepted in relation to the fairness or accuracy of it. The value of investments, and the income from them, can go down as well as up, and you may not recover the amount of your original investment. Past performance should not be taken as a guide to future performance.